1: we <laughs>
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hangout in the Holy Land, Land and flagship podcast. I'm your host, Gene Ross, joined, as always, by Josh Dooley. Back again for another Ohio State preview as we head into week three. Ohio State set to take on Toledo this Saturday night at 7 p.m. Um, and, you know, we're, we're getting things going, Josh. It's the last game of, of non-conference play before Ohio State takes on Wisconsin to open up Big Ten play. Kind of another tune-up game here for Ohio State with another large spread. Ohio State favored in this game by 31 and a half points as we record this. Um, how are we feeling so far through, through two games this season, heading into the third? Where's where's our mindset at this far?
1: Uh, Gene, for me, it's adequate, feeling fine, uh, kind of somewhere above average. Look, I, it's only been two games. Ohio State has not had their entire roster. They've looked good at moments. They've looked rusty at others, but all in all you know like we said on the last podcast they're two and oh for the most part they they've eliminated you know turnovers and silly mistakes they need to clean up penalties but I like what I've seen and some guys have been able to step up which is really what you want in the first couple of games of the season and I expect to see that uh you know a little bit more on Saturday but also hopefully the full complement of the roster so uh, I would have to say through two weeks I'm feeling pretty good how about you?
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm largely in the same boat here. You know, there's all the things, like we've said, that, that Ohio State has, has struggled with so far this season seem like fixable issues. It doesn't seem like last year where there was just, you know, almost everything was broken and there was no clear way to fix things. I think, you know, penalties are obviously an issue that have played them so far. I think that's fixable. You know, some missed tackles here and there, I think that's fixable. Overall, the scheme on both sides has been fine. I think the play calling on offense could be a little bit better. And then, as you said, you know, not having the team's top two wide receivers um, and the way the offense has looked, even regardless, I, I think is, is a welcome you know is a welcome sign. Plus, you know, the, the run game is just going to continue to get better as the offensive line continues to get better. So, not a ton of of concerns there on my end so far. I think you know, Ohio State started about as we thought they would. Um, you know, Speaking of that, those injury news, though, and, and the wide receivers, we can get into um, this week's press conference. But, uh, like The, the notes and news and notes from this press conference, not not a ton going on. Um, we heard from Ryan Day first, um, and just some injury updates here. He does expect Jackson Smith and Jigba to play on Saturday, but they also said they won't risk it if he's not at 100%. Uh, similar sentiment for Julian Fleming, who they also expect to play. It seems like, to me, or at least the way I'm reading into this, I would almost certainly expect Julian Fleming to play, and I do think... Um, that, you know, jack Smith and Jigba will play, but if there is any sort of lingering issue there, I don't think they'll force the issue. I do think they want to get both of those guys, as we've both talked about, some reps heading into that Wisconsin game, um, but I don't think they need either of those guys to win this game against Toledo, so they're not going to force it if they don't have to, but I do think if those guys are, you know, 95% good to go, I, I still think both of those guys will play. I would be more shocked if Fleming doesn't play than JSN. I wouldn't be totally surprised if they hold him out one more week, but. I expect at least one of those two guys to be back, if not both. Is that kind of the way you ran into that, Josh, or do you think they'll both play?
1: I think they both play, but I agree with you that they don't need to force it. And you threw out a number of 95%. I think that's the number because really once the season starts and you know, for the most part, once practice starts, football players are rarely at 100%. But if they're up around 90 95 I think they at least give it a go, play some snaps. If Ohio State jumps out to... A big lead. They'll be the first ones out, but I do think they'll play. And I, I would like to see them do so just to get their legs under them, especially Julian Fleming, who has not seen the field. I'd like to see those guys go, but I want them to be healthy enough to do so.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No reason to be risking issue uh, and further injury against a team like Toledo, but nonetheless, um, we are expecting both those guys to play, or at least the coaching staff is. Um, further along in Ryan Day's press conference, he gave a, a vote of confidence to Denzel Burke. Um, you know, he said he has some plays he obviously wants back, but they're confident he'll make the adjustments and improve. Um, he said the run game isn't where it needs to be just yet, but it's been cleaner than expected. Um, he thinks the timeshare between Henderson, and, uh, Trayvon Henderson and Mayan Williams is about right and where it needs to be right now. Um, he talked about penalties being an area of much needed improvement. Um, so all good things oh, yeah. we're hearing from the all good things we're hearing from the headball coach here. He's not quite satisfied with the team just yet, which I think is a good thing. You know, you can't get complacent against any opponent here. Just look at what happened in the in this past week, too. Um, so I think he kind of notices the issues and they're still working on those things. Kind of a similar sentiment from Jim Knowles, like, Ryan Day, he says he has trust in Denzel Burke to get things turned around. Um, he did note that when a player seems to you know, be behind or off in a game, he, he tends to take them out. Um, and he's already shown that he's, he's willing to do that. You know, He's taken out a guy like Josh Proctor early in a game with after a bad mistake. He took out last week um, uh, Denzel Burke when he was struggling. So he's not afraid to give a guy an early hook if they're really struggling out there, which I think is, is good. You, know, you don't want to hurt a guy's confidence, but at the same time, you don't want to hurt the team. So I think the guys have responded well to those types of things, and I like that Jim Knowles is willing to do that. Um, not a ton of other uh, big notes from from Jim Knowles here. Both him and, and Ryan Day lauded the play of Mike Hall Jr., obviously. Um, Knowles said that Hall he thought could be a special guy from the moment he saw him go up against the ones in practice. Um, had very high praise for Caden Curry. He said he's a guy that, you know, is, is another guy he noticed right away when he got to Ohio State. Says he's someone who could definitely be in the mix. So it'll be interesting to see if we see more snaps from Caden Curry in, in real game action and not just in garbage time. And then his final note, which I love from him, um, is that he hates the notion of a bend, don't break style of defense. Uh, he was quoted as yeah. saying, I would never call a defense. I was associated with that. So he doesn't see a need to bend at all. He would rather Ohio State have no bend and just hold, hold teams to zero yards if at all possible. But he did say that forcing field goals instead of touchdowns is an area they've done well. But I like that, that mentality from Jim Knowles, that he isn't going to be a bend, don't break defense style of guy. He just wants to see a good defense out there.
1: I like that mentality as well, at least when it comes to style. But I also like the mentality or the, uh, the tendency, whatever it is, to give a guy a quick hook. Because I think that at his core, Jim Knowles is a teacher and a mentor type of guy. I mean, sure, he's got plenty of fire uh, and he seems to be a great football coach. But I think that if he gives a guy a quick hook, it's for a reason. I think he's going to sit that guy down. He's going to talk to them try and get their head back in the game, get their head where it needs to be, and then give them another opportunity, another chance. And so if you're doing that and you've got the guys to back them up, then I'm all for it because I think what we saw last year is the sort of opposite of that. They didn't think they had the option, so they were hesitant to put guys in as replacements. I mean, yes, they rotated a ton, probably too much but they never really sat a guy for an extended period of time to get right uh, and fix what he thought was going on or they thought were go- was going on. So I-, I do like that. And As far as Denzel Burke is concerned, I've got confidence in him too. Not that he needs to hear that from me, but it seems like he's shaking off rust. It's a uh, just a-, a fundamentals sort of thing. I think that he – is sometimes trying to do too much other times trying to, you know, not draw contact or anything like that. He just needs to play his game, get back to what he was doing last year. I think he's going to be a great corner. And when you really look at it, eliminate the penalties. It's not like he's being, he's getting consistently toasted, right? You know, a lucky catch against Notre Dame. He did get burnt by the, uh, the short guy from Arkansas state champ Fleming's, I think is his name. Um, um, So a mistake here and there, but I think it's about cleaning it up not relearning how to play cornerback at this point. So I think he'll be fine. And based on what we saw last year, he can correct those things and get on the right track.
0: Yeah, that's kind of my same mentality there when it comes to Burke. You know, We saw how good he was last year as a true freshman. Maybe some growing pains heading into his second year here, maybe a sophomore slump or whatnot. But I I think he'll be just fine. I trust this coaching staff, and I trust Denzel Burke to to get those things corrected. And by the time it really starts to matter, I think he'll be cooking right like he was last year. Um, And Gene, I don't think
1: it's a— It's not like what we saw last year was a small sample size. We've seen that in the past. Seven Banks is a guy looked better in a smaller sample size. Then he got thrown out there as the 1A and struggled a little bit Denzel Burke had an entire year in which he performed very very well so I don't think that was fluky which is another reason it gives me confidence that he will bounce back sooner than later
0: yeah and I don't think it's a situation like a Sean Wade where like he switched positions like Sean Wade was that slot slot corner and then when he switched to the outside he really struggled you know Burke was an outside corner last year he's an outside corner this year so you know two guys that I think people are worried that we're going to see a similar drop off of to Denzel Burke but I don't think like you said you know the 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 seven bank situation isn't all that comparable. I don't really think Sean Wade's is either. So hopefully Denzel Burke gets the things figured out. He's got, you know, some time to do it. Not a ton of high power passing offenses in the big 10, but I'm not super worried about him. And neither is the coaching staff. Uh, last guy we heard from on, on, uh, I think Tuesday, the press conferences were was CJ Stroud himself. Um, And the biggest takeaway from from what I got from him uh, was they asked him about kind of some of the week two upsets that we saw. And we talked about that in our last podcast, all the crazy stuff that happened in college football. And, you know, he basically said, you know, it shows that you can lose to anybody. You know, everyone's coming to take your spot in the rankings. And Ohio State doesn't want to learn that that same lesson the hard way. So I, I think it's good. And, you know, we kind of talked about it before the podcast started. All that stuff that happened last week is good for Ohio State because it just shows them that they can't take a week off. You can't get complacent. You know, even a team like Toledo where you're going in, you're 30-plus point favorites, you know you're probably going to win the game. You can't sleepwalk into there. You look at what happened at a team like Texas A&M going up against a team like App State, who they're heavily favored over. You just, you can't take games off. You can't walk into a game thinking you're going to win just because you show up to the game. You have to take every game seriously. And I think that based on what's happened, you know, the past couple of years to Ohio State and already what's happened in, in the first two weeks of this college football season, I think that Ohio State's very focused. And I think that it's only enhanced their focus to see what's happened around them. So I love to hear those kinds of things from both Day and Stroud, two guys that, you know, are obviously two of the most important Guys surrounding this Ohio State program, the fact that those guys are looking around and seeing, you know, that they need to stay focused even when it's a lesser opponent, I think that's a very good thing for this Ohio State team.
1: It's great to see an upset, but not experience one, right? So they got to see a number of them last weekend, or I'm sure they heard about them. And, you know, they probably weren't dialed in on all of those games while they were playing, but um, yeah, it should keep them on their toes, keep them in full preparation mode, and keeping them in the right mindset. So I think that. All in all, you know, bummer for Jimbo, bumble, bummer for Wisconsin and teams like that. But for Ohio State, that should keep them hopefully mentally sharp and focused on just the next game, not two, three, four down the road. Absolutely.
0: And, and you know, before we even get down the road, let, let's talk about this week's opponent in Toledo. Uh, maybe maybe a bit of a shorter podcast episode for us today. Not a ton of other news and notes, but we do want to break down the Toledo Rockets for you guys. Jason Candle's Rockets. Um, they enter the 2022 season as one of the upper echelon teams in the MAC conference. Um, Candle himself has amassed a 47 and 27 record in what is now his seventh full season with the program. Uh, they made one bowl game in the last three seasons, a loss to Middle Tennessee in the 2021 Bahamas Bowl. Uh, the production really hasn't quite been there since Toledo won the MAC West in 2017. They've gone just 24-20 and over the last four seasons, but they do enter this year with one of the conference's best defense and a really talented offense to go along with it. Um, so far this season, Toledo has begun the new campaign 2-0 and with wins over perennial powerhouses Long Island University and UMass. Um, not exactly a who's who of opponents, but they handle <laughs> business like they should against those two teams. You know, they, they allowed just to combine 10 points in the two games, um, all of which were against UMass. They entered this game statistically with the number four scoring defense in the country with those, those five points per game allowed. If you average out over the two, um, and the offense has also averaged 46 points per game over the two wins led by quarterback to Finn. Um, And so, you know, both sides of the ball have looked really good. The the level of opponent is not quite what they'll see at Ohio State. But, you know, like we've said with Ohio State, when you play these lower teams, you just have to handle business and keep going. And so far, that's what Toledo has done.
1: Yeah, this is a tough game to sort of project, Gene, because on paper, Toledo looks like a national championship team, right? They're scoring 46 per game, allowing only five. The defense in particular comes across as like the 86 bears they're they're giving up just 183 yards per game and only 58 through the air which is wildly impressive but yes if you take a little bit of a if you look a little bit deeper and realize the level of competition they've faced long island u is an fcs team uh they went two and eight last year umass is two and 28 since 2018 so they have beaten up on essentially the weakest competition in FBS school can find that being said, I do kind of like this team. They, they've got some players, which we'll talk about. And what I think is a solid coaching staff, you know, candle is 47 to 27, but particularly last year, they lost a number of close games. In one of my columns this week, I, I called them the max version of Nebraska, but they actually find a way to win some games here and there. And, Their defensive coordinator, Vince Carries, or Cares, uh, I wish I had the correct pronunciation, but if you're not familiar with him, his last position was as the head coach of the Mount Union Purple Raiders. They are a D3 school here in Alliance, Ohio, and they've won 13 national titles since 1993. Carries and his father were responsible for all of them. Carries had uh, three, I think, once he took over, for his dad, legendary D3 coach. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. So he's come to Toledo, really turned the defense around a couple of years ago, handful of years ago. They were a perennially poor, poor unit, one of the worst in the country. They've really sort of turned that around. They're up around the top 20, top 30 in points per game allowed the last couple seasons. And they're only giving up five right now, which is clearly not sustainable. But... I like that staff, and I don't know if this team is super legit or not because they've destroyed high school teams, but the Buckeyes don't want to get caught sleeping here because they've got some dudes, uh, Candle's an offensive coach. You combine that with his D.C. carries, I think they can do some things. So Ohio state needs to be mentally and physically sharp and ready for this one for sure.
0: Yeah. You know, like you said, not really a ton you could take from their first two games. Cause you just don't know what, what they're going to look like against a real team. That isn't the two teams they've played, but looking into this roster a bit, there is a lot to like, um, starting on the offensive side of the ball, you know, the Rockets return a ton of production from a 2021 unit that led the conference with 33.4 points per game. Um, that, that starts with quarterback Dequan Finn um, through this year already in two games. He's got 388 passing yards with three touchdowns to so just the one pick. And he also has another 138 yards and three scores on the ground. So a true dual threat quarterback threw for over 2,000 yards last year with 18 touchdowns to so just two picks um, while rushing for another nine touchdowns. So, you know, a guy that Ohio State will have to account for, probably a better runner and definitely a better passer than Notre Dame's Tyler Buckner. Um, so that'll be interesting to see how Ohio State handles him. Uh, the real strength of this offense is running the football, despite losing star running back Brian Kobach this offseason. Uh, Toledo's averaging 230 rushing yards per game on 5.5 yards per carry this year. Um, they had 234 yards on 6.3 yards per carry with six rushing touchdowns against UMass last week. Uh, kind of a running back by committee room here. Four different players scored touchdowns on the ground last week. Seven had at least one carry. Ah, uh, Finn is their leading rusher thus far, but running back Jocas Stewart has been really good to start the year. Got ninety eight carries on ninety eight yards on fourteen carries, so it's about seven yards per carry. Um, and the Rockets have, have you know mixed guys around, like we talked about the dual threat quarterback. He's good around the football. They do a lot of good stuff in the backfield. So a strong rushing unit, and a big reason for that is a is a offensive line that returns four starters from what was a great unit a year ago. Um, senior tackle Mitchell Berg, you know guard center Tyler Long. Have been the real anchors of that of that group, um, and they also return Nick Rossi, a former All-Conference guard who missed last season with an injury. Uh, if there is one shortcoming on this offense, is a lack of, of top-end talent at wide receiver. Um, junior on Newton is off to a great start with eight catches for 160 yards but 106 of those yards came against UMass last week um, junior Devin Maddox was expected to lead the room but he has just one catch for 11 yards through the team's first two games um, and then sophomore Tamir Blankemse, uh leads the team with 13 catches but has just 88 yards on those catches so overall a very solid unit um, and a big step up from Arkansas State last week but not a ton of, of high really really high-end wide receiver talent I think Daquan Finn is, is a really good quarterback he's very efficient with the ball doesn't turn it over a whole bunch can do a lot with his legs so Ohio State can't afford some of the you know the missed tackles or defensive penalty issues they had in week two um, if they're looking to stop this Toledo offense which I think is legitimately pretty good.
1: Gene you stole just about every one of my notes but uh, not to be too repetitive I'll go position by position here and I'll start with Daquan Finn you know in the past Toledo has used multiple quarterbacks and that is clearly not the case this year Finn has taken nearly all the snaps You mentioned he's a dual threat guy so much so that he leads the team in rushing. He was actually Mr. Football in the state of Michigan a few years back. And yes, he's comparable to Tyler Buckner, but I'm not prepared to say that he's a much better passer. You know, for his career, he's got a 58% completion percentage. He was around 57 and a half last year, 61% through two games this year. So in a column this week, I called him an efficient, inefficient quarterback. And what I mean by that is not the greatest percentage completion percentage in the world, but he takes care of the ball. Another thing that you mentioned, for his career, he's got 21 touchdowns and only three picks. So, you know, it, it, the ball doesn't always go where he wants it to go, but at least it doesn't go to the wrong team, right? So Daquan Finn is a talented guy, like 6'2", 210, He'll run on you, and I don't know if they call a lot of designed runs, and it's hard to, maybe they did against these lower-level teams. I'm not entirely sure if he's more of a scrambler or, uh, you know, he has plays called for him. I'm not super dialed in on Toledo, but I like the skill set that he brings to the team, and I think that, again, he'll keep Ohio State on their toes. At running back, you said it. It is committee right now. I think that's due to competition and game flow. I'm not sure who the 1A and 1B are going to be come Saturday. And one once the dust settles for them, Penny Boone does lead the team in carries. He's a Maryland transfer with a little bit of experience. But you mentioned West Stewart, second on the team in yards, averaging seven yards per pop. At the very least, they've got a bunch of guys that they're going to throw at Ohio State, which is always good to have. You want that depth if somebody gets nicked up or just isn't super effective at the time. They've got four guys with at least 40 yards rushing through two games. So a ton of depth there, a lot of options. I think that they'll lean on the running game as much as they can because you mentioned the wide receiver room. Not the upper echelon talent that Ohio State might see down the road against a team like uh, Michigan State or Michigan or a team like that. But as we saw against Arkansas State, those guys don't need to have the greatest resumes and the greatest track records in the world, especially if they're able to cook some of these Ohio State DBs. But you mentioned Devin Maddox. He was the top guy coming back. But with that one catch through two games, I'm not sure if he's fallen down the depth chart at all because he had nearly 600 yards last year. Uh, c. With the six and a half-ish yards per carry, I imagine he's a screen guy, you know, tunnel screen, pop screen, something like that. I don't know that he's a downfield threat. And then you mentioned Newton as well, eight for 160 on the year. That's only 40 yards off his career high. So he's been there for three or four years. He topped out at 200 yards in a season. So, again... Not a super impressive resume, not a bunch to go off of. They do have a big tight end in Jamal Turner who could potentially do some things down the middle of the field. Not an air raid offense by any means, but again, at least they have some options and some experience. Um, And you want that going against an Ohio State defense, which has looked really good so far. So I I don't envision 46 points against Ohio State like they have put up during the first couple of weeks, but... They've got a creative head coach, a dual-threat quarterback, and a ton of running back. So I think they'll cobble something together. I think they'll sustain some drives here and there through that running game. In my opinion, if Ohio State is able to make them one-dimensional, whether whether that's running or passing, pick your poison and make Toledo do that thing that you want them to do and game plan for that. I think that's what Ohio State's coaches need to do. That's probably what they'll – you know, look to do, and maybe they keep a spy or or something like that on Daquan Finn. But I, again, it's how impressive have they really been based off the competition? It's so difficult to say because they have played just really terrible football teams thus far. I think it'll be a big test for them as in Toledo this Saturday too. And right now, if I had to give the edge... Well, I, I, it's not a, a matter of if or when. Ohio State has the better defense. They've got the more talented defense. So I, I think they'll be able to hold their own against Toledo, but I would not be shocked to see Toledo put up you know, two, three touchdowns in this game.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think what what works in Ohio State's favor here is that you know Toledo, like we've mentioned, is a much better you know running team than they are a passing team. And what, from what we've seen from Ohio State's defense thus far this year, they've been much better against the run than they have been against the pass. So I think it is kind of a, a strength on strength there. Absolutely, uh, I like Ohio State's chances in that sort of matchup. I would imagine that you know even though Toledo's offensive line is very good, I think that you know just Ohio State's level of talent they have in their front seven will probably be able to get the job done there. Especially like you said, if they're able to contain Fin you know, keep him from doing too much on the ground game like they did with Buckner in week one. I think they'll have you know a lot of success there at keeping Toledo out of the end zone. But like you said, I wouldn't be surprised if they put up a couple of touchdowns in this game because they are a team that you know does does a lot well. They have a lot of experience over there, a lot of veteran leadership on that side of the ball, and you know they have guys that have done this before. I don't think they're gonna you know be overmatched. By, they're going to be overmatched, I think, talent wise. But I don't think they're going to be you know afraid of coming into Ohio Stadium and playing Ohio State. So I think they have that in their favor. I am interested to see. You know, Jim Knowles talked about it a little bit this week. Ohio State's defense hasn't really been forcing turnovers. And when I say hasn't really, I mean they haven't forced any so far through two games. Um, and he would like to see more of that. Obviously, the fans would like to see more of that. I'm interested to see how this game goes in that department because, like we talked about, you know, Finn's not really a guy that turns the ball over a whole bunch. This, you offense isn't one that turns the ball over a whole bunch. So I'm interested to see if they're able to, you know, force their first turnover of the game, but if not, of the season. But if not, now you're looking at three games. Um three non conference games where Ohio State doesn't force a turnover. Is that at all concerning to you, Josh? Or do you just think that's, you know, kind of the, the game the way that, you know, these game scripts have gone so far where they're just kind of playing teams that either don't turn the ball over a ton or mostly running the ball, so you limit your amount of interceptions and stuff like that. What do you think of Ohio State's lack of turnover production on defense thus far?
1: I think it's more coincidental than anything. I, I tend to believe that turnovers come in bunches and you see ebbs and flows there if Ohio state was giving up chunk plays and lots of points and still not causing turnovers, I think I would have a higher level of concern, but they're getting teams off the field with the exception of a drive or two here or there. And I I think the turnovers will come where a lot of those happen through the passing game, right? And they have not played an elite passing offense and they're certainly not going to again this week. I think the interceptions come more often than the fumble. So Yeah, I think it's coincidental, but Jim Knowles said after the Notre Dame game that their offense was, uh, you know, sort of vanilla, right? They didn't throw a ton of looks at the Irish. I don't know how much they did that against Arkansas State either, probably because there wasn't a need. I would really like to see Ohio State blitz the hell out of Daquan Finn this weekend. I want to see them put pressure on him, force him into some potentially bad decisions, even though he's not a big turnover guy. That's where I think Ohio State can, needs to, and will improve. I think that they are going to get after the quarterback with their linebackers, maybe their edge guys. We've seen Mike Hall, Rec Shop, Tommy Eichenberg has a sack. Um, Steel Chambers has a sack. I want to see Jack Sawyer, JTT, and guys like that, Zach Harrison, eat this weekend. So I hope they get a little bit more creative there and dial up the pressure. And then I think that they can really um, – force the issue for Toledo, and that's not something that they want. They want DeQuan Finn to have some options. If you take away one part of the game and make him one-dimensional... Uh, I think you'll be in a more favorable position.
0: Yeah, it would be nice to see, you know, guys like Two uh, Maloa and Jack Sawyer kind of get in the sack column this year. Obviously, they've been disruptive, but they haven't really put up the stats to show it. And, not you know, not not saying that's their fault, but it would be nice for them to kind of get recognition for how good they've been thus far, even though the, it doesn't show up on the, on the numbers. Um, and I also like, you know, like you say, you know, guys like Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers, uh, Ohio State's ran that kind of mid blitz with the linebacker twice, and both times it's resulted in an immediate sack where it just looks like the linebacker is shot out of a cannon. So I'd like to see more of that i'd like to see more you know i i'm sure uh jim Knowles has some very interesting blitz packages he's waiting to deploy against ohio state's better teams but you know throw one in here and there i know you don't want to show too much to the better teams you're going to play down the line but it it is fun to see some of those different looks and and how good they've looked so far when they do pull out some of those those different formations and and different schemes type stuff on defense so interested to see how how much they do there i'm imagining still pretty vanilla in terms of scheme against toledo Speaking of defenses, we can flip over to Toledo's defense, which, you know, this unit in 2021 ranked tops in the MAC, allowing 21.8 points per game. Should be even better this season. They return eight starters on that side of the ball. Um, As previously mentioned, you know, things have gone quite well thus far, only allowing 10 points through two games. Um, Overall, this unit has five players on it that have previously been named to all conference teams. That is including Jamal Hines and uh, Deshaun Johnson. Uh, Johnson's the leader of the Rockets defensive line, uh, posted 12 and a half tackles for loss, four and a half sacks last season. He leads the, t- the team so far this season with four and a half tackles for loss already to go along with half a sack. He is a two-time All-Mac edge rusher. Uh, They have a very strong linebacker unit headed by Jamal Hines, who you have highlighted this week in our Defensive Player of the Week, which I believe just came out today as we're recording this. Um, Hines is a three-time All-Mac linebacker, 88 tackles in 2021. Uh, He had a team-high 15 tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks last year, as well as eight pass breakups. So a guy, another one of these do-it-all linebackers to lead that unit. Uh, Alongside him is fellow senior Deontay Johnson, who is not the Steelers wide receiver, spells his name a little differently. Um, Had 86 tackles and eight tackles for loss last year, 11 tackles at one and a half tackles for loss so far this year. And the third man in that room is, of course, Ohio State transfer Dallas Gant. Gant actually leads Toledo thus far with 20 total tackles. He is a former four-star prospect, never really got it going with the Buckeyes, but looks to have found a, a pretty decent footing for himself with Toledo. And then moving back into the secondary, um, they're led by safety Max and Hook. Hook had a team-high 96 tackles as a freshman in 2021. He's joined by fellow returning starters in nickelback Nate Bauer and corner Quinion Mitchell. Bauer had 55 tackles, six and a half tackles for loss last season, and, and Mitchell started every game and tied for second on the team with eight pass breakups. Uh, so far this season, Toledo has one interception. That was by junior safety Zach Ford. They have forced three fumbles, including one by Gantt. Um, Overall, a strong unit, especially up front with a whole bunch of experience, like I said, a whole bunch of returning talent, a whole bunch of guys that have earned conference honors. So you know, it'd be nice if Ohio State has its, its top receivers this week. Uh, but even if they don't, um, it's it's not going to be, I don't think it'll be as easy as it was um, against Arkansas State. I don't think they're going to put up only 21 points like they did against Notre Dame. But this is definitely a solid defense, who is, which is well-coached, like you said, with the new defensive coordinator uh, who has done a really good job. They, they're, you know, they have a lot of guys who have played a lot of games for Toledo. It's a unit that was very good last year and returns most of that production this year. So I am excited to watch um, this Toledo defense and see how Ohio State looks to attack in this game.
1: I'm with you. Toledo has got some dudes on defense. Throw the competition out the window because of the competition they've played. But five points per game against anybody, I mean, that's impressive in college football. And I alluded to it it earlier. They were pretty awful prior to the 2020 season when they brought in carries. They finished 36th and 28th in scoring defense the last two seasons. They run... I think sort of a similar defense to that of OSU with Jamal Hines used as a hybrid type of player. They've got him listed back at defensive end this year, but he was a full-time linebacker last year. He gets after the quarterback quite a bit, but he has slowly sort of developed and become adept at dropping into coverage. He's a do-it-all sort of guy. He's out of Cincinnati. Um, So just a really good really, really good player. And up front, you mentioned Judge Culpepper and Deswan Johnson. They're the guys up front. Culpepper was a Penn State commit. He spent a couple of years there. He transferred prior to the 2021 season. He is sort of their nose tackle-esque player at 6'4", 290. And Johnson is one of those disruptive ends. He's got 33 and a half career tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks. So he knows how to get into the backfield, Uh, You know, stuff the run, get after the quarterback. He's a really good player in the middle. The linebackers. Hines is one of those guys, although, again, I would describe him as more of a hybrid. Um, 231 career tackles, 39 tackles for loss, 15 sacks, three interceptions, a partridge in a pear tree. He's an absolute monster and was really fun to watch when I was doing some player previews, watch a little bit of his tape. Uh, They move him around a lot. Let him get after the quarterback quite a bit. I expect him to do the same thing on Saturday. And good for Dallas Gamp. Uh, You know, their leading tackler right now at linebacker. He had good things to say about Ohio State. And Ryan Day reciprocated that. No bad blood or ill will there. So I think that he will want to perform well. And as long as he's not overly disruptive, I I think Ryan Day and some guys like that, like, you know, In the back of their mind, they'll say, hey, good for him and and good luck. Deontay Johnson can play, too, though. He had 86 tackles last year, another experienced guy. So particularly in that front six, front seven, I think Toledo will mix it up a little bit. Uh, I believe that they can give Ohio State some trouble here and there. Although, gosh, I've got really high hopes if JSN and Julian Fleming come back and look good for Ohio State. I want to see them really get it rolling. But Toledo's not going to make it easy. And on the back end, I don't think you can learn too much from their cornerbacks because of who they've played. Not great passing teams, uh, and that's being generous. But I do like that safety duo between Hook and Rourke Freeberg, who is on the all name team. Uh, just a, a fantastic name. I think he's an Arizona transfer, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I was looking at him a little bit earlier in the week. So. Some good players, and I think that that defense is better than it has been by a mile in years past. I think it's also, you know, it's somewhere between much better than they've been in the past, but not quite as good as they've been in 2022, if that makes sense. Um, So, again, Ohio State is going to be a huge challenge for them, but I would not be surprised to see, you know, Hines get after the quarterback. Maybe he gets a sack. Dallas Gantt, he probably knows a thing or two about Ohio State's running game. Maybe he can stuff that up. I don't think he's going to do much in pass coverage because, you know, it's it's entirely different with Cade Stover in the lineup and he's not going to catch the slot or, or drop deep into coverage on a, a JSN or whomever, but he will probably have a little bit of intel for the Buckeyes, whether it's pertains to this game or not that's tbd i i I like what they have though and again i like vince Carey as their defensive coordinator i think that down the road toledo could potentially compete for a mac title but this game is going from zero to 60 for them they just played umass last week umass plays an entirely different sport than ohio state does right and same thing for long island U. so I'm very interested in the way that this game kind of goes on and the end result because I think that Toledo is going to face a much bigger challenge and Ohio State, they played what they thought was a really good defense in Notre Dame, maybe they still are, and then a really lower level opponent in Arkansas State, I see Toledo somewhere in the middle, but When it comes down to it, Ohio State's the better team, and I think that they'll prove that uh, this weekend.
0: Yeah, I'm very interested to see how Ohio State's offense looks to attack this, this defense, especially if guys like JSN and Julian Fleming are back. I'm still not 100% sold on Ohio State's ground game just yet. You know, they obviously had that really dominating drive against Notre Dame in the fourth quarter. Last week they were obviously very vanilla in what they did on defense didn't run it a whole ton because they didn't really have to. They they were scoring on very quick strike passing plays, but I want to see how this team looks against a team with linebackers like this, with a good front 7 like this. How they look to run the ball. I do think that the the play calling especially when it comes to run plays has been very bland so far, and I want to see, you know, maybe they're saving that for their better opponents, but maybe it's just you know, some of the same issues we saw last year where Ohio State's run offense is very predictable. So I kind of want to see how they look against a team like this, which has a very decent front seven. I also want to see if they look to, you know, attack the middle of the field at all um, in the passing game, which we haven't really seen them do a whole ton, especially if a guy like JSN is no, back. Who is a guy who was so good at that in JSN, maybe that's why they're not doing it because they don't have him out there. But you know they haven't done a lot of that over the middle stuff you know catch catch and run type of stuff over the middle and against a team with good linebackers like we said it'll be interesting to see how they attack that part of the field so i'm very interested to see what Ohio State's game plan is coming into this game. You know, we've had our, our gripes with play calling so far, and I am a, a little bit concerned about how Ohio State looks to to go after a team like this. I do think they have the—obviously, they have the advantage in almost every area just based on, on pure talent metrics, but I am interested to see how they look to attack a team which on paper um, is, is more built to stop the run than it is the pass and uh, against an Ohio State team that probably wants to establish the run more um, but hasn't exactly shown that that's their, their strength thus far. So I think it is—you know, on both sides of the ball, I think it's kind of strength-on-strength— here, and I mentioned to see how it plays out and how Ryan Day looks to, to call plays early in this one.
1: I think the offensive performance has been a combination of available personnel and opponent. You know, clearly against Notre Dame, they weren't able to open it up because they didn't have the players. Same thing against Arkansas State, although, like you said, I think that they were a bit more vanilla by design because they let's face it, they knew they could win the game by doing so. And I'm not sure that we're going to learn a lot about this running game until they get into Big Ten play. Look, Toledo has got a solid defense, and they're only giving up 125 I think rushing yards per game to these lower-level opponents, but they still, they don't have the size of a Wisconsin, a Michigan. They don't have the recruiting stars, and so that's not apples to apples. Toledo can you know, be great and potentially surprise Ohio State on Saturday, but I, I think the running game is very dependent upon physical matchup, and Ohio State's just going to be bigger, stronger, faster than Toledo at the end of the day. So I, I don't know that we're going to learn a ton, but I am with you. I would like to see them more productive. I'd like to see some more things outside. I would like to see Hopefully, a, a number of chunk plays in that running game. It really comes down to whether or not Ryan Day is ready and confident enough to open up his play calling. You you've said that you haven't been, you know, enthralled with this play calling or super impressed by it, and I would tend to lean in that same direction, but. As much as he won't admit it, I think that it's been by design for Ryan Day. I think he's like, look, first game against Notre Dame, let's go out and win by at least one point. Second game against Arkansas State, let's not show all of our cards. This opponent in Toledo is somewhere in the middle between those two teams, so I think we start to see them step it up, shift into another gear, as long as the guys are available, because if they're not, I think we could see more of the same. Deep shots, deep shots run the ball, deep shot, run the ball. And probably not as much in the middle of the field, but I'm with you. I I would like to see that from them because JSN made a a killing in the middle. And I think that Julian Fleming can also be that guy, you know, he's a big physical presence as a wide receiver. He's certainly more physical than a Igbuka. Not a shot against him. He's like a traditional flanker really, in my opinion. And Marvin Harrison is that big, beastly physical megatron outside guy JSN and Julian Fleming I think can close the gap or bridge the gap and make the make the entire field become open sideline to sideline for G- CJ Stroud. That's why I think it's important and why I hope we see these guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. It also is, you know, it's just more fun to watch games when Jackson was out there. You know, he is a walking uh, home run play on really any given down. You know, he could catch a five yard out and take it for a touchdown on any given play. So one of the top wide receivers in the country it would be nice to get to see more of him than we have. You know, he didn't really play at all against Notre Dame and that we didn't see him obviously last week. So having him back would be nice uh, for this offense. And I think just a feel good thing for all the fans and as well. Um, And yeah, kind of like you said, you know, I am hoping this play calling issue is more of a not wanting to show your cards thing than uh, an incompetence thing. I think that I'm hoping that's what it is. But I guess we will see as the season goes on and the opponents get tougher. But nonetheless, you know, you kind of talked about it. Uh, Toledo is a much better team than Arkansas State. They're probably not as good as Notre Dame. So somewhere in the middle. Um, I think they're probably closer to Notre Dame than Arkansas State, and I'm not taking that as a as a shot on either on either of those teams. I just think that Notre Dame maybe isn't as good as we thought, and I think this Toledo team is is better than people give them credit for. Um, I also don't think this team is just going to roll over and, and let Ohio State pet its belly. You know, this is an in-state opponent, veteran roster. You know, I don't think they're just going to be like, oh well, we have no chance, and you know, just just pack their bags and go out the door. I think they're going to give a good fight at least early on, unless things you know get out of hand quickly. Um, the Buckeyes, as you said, are clearly the more talented roster, but I don't think that you know a 31 and a half point spread is indicative of how this game will go. So, you know, I think with that being said, we could kind of get into our score predictions this week. Um, I think I made you go first last week, so I'll go first this time around. Um, I'm looking at this game. I like Ohio State to win a, a 42 to 17 contest. Um, I think the offense will get its points, especially if JSN and Fleming are back, um, like we talked about before. The defense has been great against the run; should hopefully limit most of what Toledo is able to do offensively. But I do think they'll get you know more more scores than at least in Arkansas State did, maybe even a Notre Dame did, just because of the way their offense is built. Um, you know, we have you know we've seen Ohio State up against the Mobile quarterback before, and they've done well. But I think you know Cook is a uh, Finn so. Sorry, um, is a little bit quicker of a of a runner than than uh, Buckner so I'm interested to see how that goes um, and I still have my concerns like I said with OSU's run game mostly the play calling on that end as well as Ohio State's defensive secondary but I don't really know if if Toledo has the guys to really test either of those things so I like a 42 to 17 style of win I don't think they cover the spread um, but I do think that they win pretty handily and I don't think this is a game we're gonna have to you know sweat out late into the fourth quarter at least hopefully
1: i I'm going to hedge my bets on a score prediction and with the first one listeners are probably going to roll their eyes because you and I are very similar you know every week if JSN and Julian Fleming or even one of them is not on the field give me 38 to 17 I think Ohio State looks fine I don't think they look nearly as explosive as they hopefully are at some point during the season when they're at full health but if those guys are out after a quarter, you know, just to kind of get some reps or only one of them plays really, you know, without JSN, my score prediction is 38, 17. Now, if both of those guys play and they are truly at 90, 95%, I think Ryan day sort of wants to show the country and the big 10, a thing or two. So if they both play, I'll up it to 52 to 17 and I think they really get the ball rolling if those guys have taken reps this week and if they're ready to go. But I could see about a two-score difference whether or not JSN's in the game. So either, for me, either 38 or 52 to 17, good guys.
0: Yeah, I would love to see Ohio State put up 50 points in this game. I'm not... Um, as worried about maybe a look-ahead spot with, with Wisconsin on the board next week with how you know Wisconsin has looked so far this season. I think that Ohio State, you know, as we previously discussed and what we've heard from their press conference, is very focused on each game at hand. They're not looking forward uh, in the season to the tougher competition. They know that they have to win every game, no matter who the opponent is. So not super worried there. I would love to see, obviously, like you said, the the full complement of wide receivers out there, which we haven't seen yet so far this season. And I think overall should be, uh, you know, another fun game for Ohio State. It is weird that this game is a 7 o'clock kick and not like a noon or a 3.30, but nonetheless, yeah. it'll be, uh, you know, that's that's something. I guess there isn't, you know, the best slate of college football this, this weekend. You know, we kind of said the same thing last weekend, and some crazy things happened, but I don't. I don't know if that's quite in the cards this week. There aren't a ton of very highly regarded matchups. At least last week you had some, like, decent group of five and other type schools going up against these highly ranked teams. I don't know if you have as much this week, but nonetheless— get to see some ohio state football once again hopefully start their their non-conference three and before they get into big 10 play um josh you have anything else for us before we get out of here i think we're i think we're mostly all set
1: no i think we're rooting for good health and to come out of the game with good health too but i'm looking forward to it and i hope ohio state's ready to dial it up
0: yes sir As always, be sure to check out all of our written content over at LandGrantHoyland.com. We will have everything leading up to the Toledo game as well as post-game coverage after the game. Uh, Josh and I will be back this Sunday to, for a recap podcast to talk about whatever happens on Saturday. And then everything else is, you know, the, the usual stuff. So, uh, as always, be sure to like, rate, view, subscribe, all that good stuff that all the podcasts asks you to do. Um, and for Josh Julie, I am Gene Ross, and as always, go Bucks. <laughs>